Hi, this is Pastor Daniel Bracken. You're listening to Kings Alaska podcast. I hope the word encourages you and you get a touch from God that brings transformation and equips you to experience life with people, power, and purpose. Thank you for joining us. Enjoy the word. Luke 17. And um, I want you to find the fifth verse, and we'll read five verses. The apostle said to the Lord, increase our faith. He replied, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it will obey you. It will what? It'll obey you. Getting people to obey is another thing. Inanimate objects are much easier than people. Anyway, verse 7. It's because, you know why? Because people have a choice. Let's move to verse 7. Suppose one of you has a servant plowing or looking after a sheep. Will he say to the servant when he comes in from the field, come along now and sit down to eat? Question mark. Won't he rather say, prepare my supper, get yourself ready and wait on me while I eat and drink. After that, you may eat and drink. Will he thank the servant because he did what he was told to do? So also, when you have done everything you were told to do, you should say, we are unworthy servants. We've only done our duty. Yeah. Ouch. Father, come. Move in power. May we never be the same in Jesus' name. And may the effects of the service be far-reaching even to eternity for the glory of God. In the name of Jesus, amen. You may be seated. You might have given your wife a diamond ring, or maybe you have a diamond ring of your own, sir or ma'am, but whatever the case is, diamonds are beautiful. And they're beautiful for a lot of reasons. They, they refract light, they turn light, and there's different types of diamonds, and I'm not a gemologist by any means, but I do have an appreciation for, for gems, and I have an appreciation really for light. I just, uh, I like it. I like, I, I like rainbows. I like, I like that golden hour of sunset. I, 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 like, I like light, and I, I like when things sparkle and shiny things. Come on, somebody say shiny. Faith is like a diamond in your notes now. Faith is like a diamond. There's many facets to it, and there really is no one message on faith that would be the be-all to end-all because there's so many different dimensions, so many facets of faith. But it's important. In fact, I delight in learning about faith because without faith, the Bible says in the book of Hebrews, it's impossible to please Him. How many of you want to please God? Yeah. Let me read that to you. Hebrews 11, 6, without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must, everybody say must, must believe that he exists and he rewards those who earnestly seek him or diligently seek him. Must, everybody say must. Must, must believe. I took some flights not long ago and uh, in the process of flying, we were booked on an Alaskan Airlines flight leaving at a certain time, probably like two in the morning, leaving from Alaska, you know how that is, so special. They, get the, they know we can take it, that's why they, that's why we have flights when, I don't even think the devil's awake, we know 
that God is awake because he doesn't sleep or slumber, but anyway, early. And you got to be there. You got to be there ahead of time. You got to check in your bags and you have to show up at the right gate. Anybody ever missed a plane? I've, I've missed a plane once or twice in my life. Uh, the last time I missed, missed a plane, I was in Seattle and I was talking long with my beautiful bride, Pastor Karen, on the front row. And as we were talking, I lost track of time. I thought I was at the right gate, but I was at the wrong gate. If you're going to be on the plane, you got to be at the right gate. If you're not at the right gate, you, in fact, let me say it this way. If you're going to get on the plane, you must be at the right gate. So faith, you, you must believe. It's not like you, you, you there's no other way. It, it's, it's a must. Faith is a must. Everybody say faith is a must. And so it's important to learn about faith. Hebrews 10, 38, an introduction here. The just shall live by faith, but anyone who draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. Oh my. There sometimes can be a, a temptation to draw back. To look at the context here in Luke 17, Jesus commands them to forgive. He, he's teaching them about forgiveness. And he does it in other places, but the, 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 the command to forgive and the amount of forgiveness that you extend even in one day is so overwhelming, they're like, what? Oh, help us, God. It's overwhelming to them. And they ask, Lord, help, help, help our faith. And so they, they request for more faith. Help our, come on, somebody say, Lord, help my faith. There is uh, in my pocket a... United States uh, silver dollar, and uh, it has two sides to it. Anybody ever seen a silver dollar? You don't see these too often. You can get them. They're, they're not out of, money's still good. They haven't gone to the mark yet, but there's two sides. There's heads, and there's tails. I've entitled the message, The Heads and Tails of Faith. The heads and tails of faith. So he teaches them, he teaches them about faith and he, and he shares this, you know, amazing, the amazing aspect of faith. It's like the side, two sides of a coin. One side of the coin is the side of power. You can speak to the mulberry tree and the tree will be uprooted. So that's the, the heads or tails, whatever you want to call it. There's another side though. And in the parable, he, he gives the other side. And we all love the power of faith. Well, I love the fact, does anybody else love the fact that you can rebuke devils and they run like scalded dogs? Is there anybody else that's glad about the fact you can lay hands on the sick and see them recover? We love messages like that. We love messages where, you know, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. And, but you're not going to love this one that much. Well, I'm, I'm going to fire you up for a second, but I'm going to show you another side of faith that maybe you might not like so much. And uh, I... I mean, I, I would never remove anything from Scripture, but, but it's, it's very confrontational. So I love the fact that we have faith, and it doesn't have to be big to affect much. Mustard seed. Yeah, I actually heard this argument. Somebody say, Jesus said the mustard seed is the smallest in the kingdom. We all know that mustard seeds are not the smallest. There's an orchid seed that's, oh, shut up. 
See, the Bible's not true because it's not the sea. And if he's God and he's God, why didn't he say? I actually read that somewhere. And I just thought, oh, my gosh, you got to be really. It was the smallest in the kingdom that they were in. Think about it that way. And he was giving an illustration. Mustard seeds are small. I mean, if I was holding one, I looked for one. But uh, I couldn't find a mustard seed this morning. But if I was holding one, you wouldn't know it. Can you see that? That Mustard seed. So it, it, it doesn't have to be big to affect much. And faith, faith release can accomplish the impossible. Let me give you some scripture. And you might want to turn there and underline these. Mark 11. Pardon me, let's go with Mark 9. Mark 9, verse 21. Jesus asked the boy's father. He'd been on, up on the, on the Mount of Transfiguration. He comes down and the disciples couldn't cast this devil out of this little boy. And Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood. How many of you know that, that children can be demonized? Yeah. He answered, it has often thrown him in the fire and the water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And Jesus says, if you can, Jesus. It's like he's amazed. <laughs> he's amazed. The man says, please, if you can, help my son. And, and the Lord's like, if I can. Like, clearly, you don't know who I am. I mean, that's really what he's saying. He's, he's shocked and amazed. And then he goes, everything is possible to one who believes. Come on, say that. Everything is possible to one that believes. Go to, go to Mark 11. Come on, just some quick verses on faith and the power of faith. The one side of the coin. In the morning, they went along, Mark 11, verse 20. They saw a fig tree withered by the roots. Peter remembered that Jesus had said, what Jesus had said. And he said, Rabbi, look at the fig tree you cursed, withered. Mark eleven twenty two. 22, have faith in God, but in the original language, in the Koine Greek, it has the faith of God. There's actually the gift of faith that you can pray for, and we pray for that. And if you want to know what to pray for me for, pray for that. Pray for the gift of faith and the gift of leadership. The same for Dr. Morocco, the same for all of our pastors. If you don't have that, you'll never reach a, a territory. You'll never, you'll never be able to, to really change a region. Certainly won't be able to change a nation. Certainly won't be able to impact Indonesia. You need the gift of faith. Everybody say it. The gift of faith. And he goes on to say, if you have faith in God or have the faith of God, Jesus answered, truly I tell you that if anyone says to this mountain, and you all know the rest, be thrown into the sea, it will. So that's the one side of faith. Faith can change our lives. I mean, it's exciting to hear messages like that because it's like, man, anything's impossible. When I walked in this place, I could feel God doing something and we're singing the song, turn it around, turn it around, turn it around. And, and you, I started encouraging you and exhorting you to, to say it. You're the prophet over your own life. Turn it around, turn it around, turn it around. And you started singing and some of you shook off your burnt toast attitude from this morning and you just started getting some fire on the inside of you and you started saying, man, you were mumbling at first, but then something happened. Turn it around. Turn it around. Turn it around. You started singing. Something happened. Faith is released. We love messages like that. Sickness has to go. Disease has to go. Impossibilities, no such thing. Hopelessness, no such thing. Only people, people who have grown hopeless over situations. There's always hope in God. It might seem dead, but he can raise it up. It might seem broken, but he can fix it. And, and you know I'll know the rest. I mean, he can do anything. And that's a great message. And we preach it and evangelists all over the world preach that. 
And so they should. And so you should hear that. And so you should be fired up to know if God called me to do it, he'll anoint me through it and he'll bring it to pass. And it came to pass. I love scriptures like that. And it came to pass. But there's another side. There's another side that most evangelists don't preach. If I, if I can go ahead and say that, no offense to all the evangelists. I don't particularly like it. And it's not taught. But I fear that in America, certainly, there has been a, a lot of ear tickling. And if you don't hear a message like this, then you'll never really become what God wants you to become. The heads and tails of faith. So one side is the power side. What's the other side? The other side is faithfulness. Everybody say faithfulness. It's a very uncomfortable, disturbing to our flesh parable. And it's disturbing, I think, for me, honestly, because I found myself lacking. And uh, you will find yourself lacking by the end of this message. Verse 7, suppose one of you has a servant plowing or looking after his sheep. Will he say to the servant, come into the field? It's this, it's passage, it, 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 it's incredible because it, it challenges us to see ourselves. You see, we, we need to see ourselves truly and, and clearly according to scriptural truth and our identity. And most people like quoting the scriptures of identity, that I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm not... I'm, I'm, I'm going to quote them all day, and they're, and they're true. But there's another identity that many people miss. And that's the identity that Paul references and that Jesus references here. We're called to be bond slaves. But I'm going to, at a deeper look in the Greek here, bond slave is really, people tie that to the Old Testament and say a bond servant. And, and it, it's the one place in the Old Testament where you're allowed to, pierce yourself, pierce your body, and it's your ear. You would take an awl and the, a slave or a servant that wanted to remain part of the family and be a uh, volunteer slave, if I could just say it that way. He's like, well, I'm free now, but I want to stay. I love you guys. I'm part of the family. And they would take an awl and they would put it through the ear and nail it into, pretty violent, nail it into the doorpost of the door. And then they would rip his ear and he would, he would have a ripped earlobe and it was a sign of him being a bond servant, meaning someone who's a slave, but voluntarily he wants to be. But that is not actually, in fact, that's taught. It's, it's taught incorrectly as I studied it at, according to my understanding here. The word here really is slave. Romans 1, 1, Paul, a bondservant. If you study this, Paul's saying, I'm a slave, a slave of Christ. Now, most people don't see themselves that way. Come on, if you hire somebody, and I'm not, slavery is wicked and evil. And, and as Lincoln said, President Lincoln said, the Civil War was God's judgment very possibly for slavery in America. I'm not saying slavery is right, it's wrong. However, there's another kind of slavery that is right. And that's when you realize that you were headed to hell and Jesus saved you. He washed you, he cleansed you, he owns you. 
He, he, he owns you. He owns your body. He owns you. You are his. And it's not so much a bondservant, although you could tie in the, the, uh, uh, the, the free will and say that, well, you don't have to be. But Paul really uses, I'm a slave. Considering what he's done for me, I am absolutely steadfastly going to obey him no matter what. In other words, it's not a matter of whether he wants to, he must. It's a very different view than most Western Christians have. A bondservant. That's what Paul calls himself. He calls himself really a slave. There's, there's no inherent notion of volunteerism in the word. Paul is basically saying that he belongs to another and that's it. It's, there's something very absolute in the word that he uses. And I suppose you can make a theological argument to say a bond servant is then, you know, you're choosing to be a bond slave or bond servant, same thing, you're choosing to be his slave. And, and I suppose theologically that fits because you have the freedom to reject him or accept him. But Paul uses the word clearly slave. He said it. And he settled it in his mind. I belong to God, that's it. I don't really have a choice. He tells me to do something, I'm going to do it. I must do it. I am Christ's slave. That is a very different, some of you think you have a choice. And, and you take it. We're called to obey Christ with all that we are. Isn't that amazing? It's a different mentality. We, we have a tendency to think, what, what do I get out of it? What, 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 do I, what do I get out of serving Christ? What is, what, is, what, is the, what is it that I get out of it? And that's, that should not be the question. It's not about what you get out of it. It's about simply obeying him. Oh yeah, you get life, no doubt about that. But when, you, when he asks you to do something hard, are you asking the same question? When he asks you to do something, you're not going to get a pat on the back. You're not going to get any money. You're not going to get accolades. You're very possibly not going to have anybody that knows. Are you still going to do it? I've seen people quit in ministry when they, they'd say in their heart, you know, well, they just really didn't appreciate me. And so I'm quitting. Listen, everybody needs to be appreciated. That's, that's clear. And, and we need that. But, it, but if someone doesn't perhaps acknowledge you, if perhaps you go to do something and your name is not in lights or it doesn't work out the way that you would have hoped, are you then quitting because somebody wasn't there to, to pat yourself on the back or to give you a, a thank you? And by the way, if you haven't been thanked, thank you. But you have to ask the question, if you're then throwing in the towel because nobody thanked you, then you have to ask the question, who are you really doing it for? Ouch. Let's have a praise break. Go ahead, slip your hand up and say, oh, help me. Help me. Help me, God. Because we do have a tendency to do things when it, when it benefits us. It's not what Jesus is talking about in this uncomfortable parable. We're all called to obey. And Jesus is giving this clear picture of truth. We have a tendency, I think, in Christianity to tailor messages so that people get, get to hear what they want to hear. So that they have faith, the power side, in, released. And, oh, we need to have messages like that. And I'm going to continue to preach messages like that. But I'm also going to flip the coin and talk to you about duty. 
talk to you about responsibility because it's both. And this is such a rebuke by the Lord. It really is a, a warning. The parable, God speaking to us here, it's, it's a warning to us. See, because when we exercise faith, we have a tendency, we ex, when we exercise faith, we become vulnerable. In what way? Well, you could think you did it. I'm here. Yesterday in the meetings. I mean, and we all, we all do it, and we should. We should testify. Yes, we should talk about how God healed the sick, set the captives free. Somebody couldn't get pregnant. They prayed. They became fertile myrtle. The husband and wife then, in the process of time, end up being pregnant. Miracle. Glory to God. We love the miracles of provision. We love the miracles of deliverance. We love the miracles of healing. We love the miracles of Jesus. They are what one side of the coin. And when God manifests his power through us, and by the way, he, he, he'll do it for you if you'll step up and get some boldness. But when that happens, there's, you, you become vulnerable in what way? You could possibly end up thinking that you actually are something. And please don't hear that the wrong way. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I understand that. But there's a mentality that comes to those who are not careful, who don't heed the warning even of this parable, where you could start thinking that you're the man of power, man of woman for the hour, and that when you show up, well, of course when you show up, Jesus shows up, but there must be a humility. There must be a humility because... We can end up trying to seek honor. We can end up trying to do things based upon whether I'm on. Well, they don't honor me there, so I'm not going there. Who are you? Who are you anyway? Well, I'm, I'm not going there. You know, there's not many people. If, if Jesus tells you to do something, whether there's many people or no people or one Ethiopian eunuch, you had better obey. Why? Because you're a slave to Christ if you've really been purchased. Not I get all, I'm going to get honor. I think I've thought about Philip many times because he's, you know, he's in these meetings and, and it's like, the, it's a dream come true for a pastor, for an evangelist. It's a dream come true because he goes off to Samaria to finish what Jesus started. He reopens a well of revival there and all kinds of people are getting saved. They're getting filled, they're getting filled and touched. And the apostles come to affirm the work of Philip, who was, he, he wasn't an apostle. He was just a guy, a part of, the, part of the church that just went off of persecution to share the good news of Jesus. And all kinds of signs and wonders happen. And even a local warlock gets saved. So the apostles come to affirm his ministry. And while he's there and people get filled with the spirit, praying in other tongues as they come, laying hands on them, God speaks to Philip and says, yo, Phil. He's like, yeah. He says, okay, go to the desert. What? No, I mean, finally, Samaria. Oh, the half-breed Samaritans. They hated them. God pours out his spirit. How many of you were all half-breeds? Touch your, touch, your, touch your nose. Is it cold? Half-breed. Okay. How many of you know there's no half-breeds in the kingdom? But there are people that are prejudiced, and they were prejudiced over the Samaritans. They had a mixture of religion. He has revival. The last thing, come on, if you're having revival, you're having an outpouring, you, you, it, it's like when you strike a vein of gold out at your claim. 
and you, and you hit a vein of gold, and then the Lord says, woohoo, leave, and go over here. Now that ain't God, amen. I just keep mining, keep mining, keep mining. Just keep digging, digging, dig, just keep digging. When the Lord told you to move, we said God wouldn't do that. Oh, wouldn't he though? God wouldn't do that. Well, he crucified his son. <laughs> Let's have a praise break all across this place. God knows, Father knows best. Say it, Father knows best. And so Philip is led out to the, to the desert and we don't know how long he's there and, and we see a, a, an Ethiopian eunuch. We find out later the Ethiopian eunuch, the, the, the treasure over Candace treasury. And the Ethiopian, he runs up next to the chariot. Is he running 30 miles an hour? Some say that. It's possible because mulberry trees can be thrown in the sea. So there's supernatural power. There's one side of the coin. You notice, I've noticed many times that the power is many times not put on display unless I do the duty part. Many times God will speak to me to do something. I don't want to do it. But I've learned that I'm going to do it anyway because my life is no longer my own. I've been crucified, Galatians 3. I've been crucified with Christ. No longer I that live, but Christ lives in me. He saved me. I'd be dead. I'd be long gone. But he speaks to me to do something I don't want to do. I'm going to do it. So help me God. I haven't always done that, but that's the point of this message. You want the power side of the coin, but many of you don't want to do the faithfulness side of the coin. Let's have another praise break. So, so Philip, he obeys, and I can imagine when he's baptizing the Ethiopian eunuch, is there anything to keep me from being baptized? There's much water here. And, and Philip says, nothing. Hallelujah. I, and in his mind, I'd imagine him saying, and I'm going to baptize the treasurer of the nation of Ethiopia, hallelujah. And I'm go I can imagine God's calling me to Ethiopia now, and there's gonna be more than enough finances to reach that nation, hallelujah, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. He gets sucked off out of the place. He's no longer standing there. I'm gonna help you with that temptation. And he goes off to some faraway land. He ends up getting married and he has four daughters that all become prophetesses. I will tell you, I, I would take that over, over wealth and finances, the blessing of God through children and the blessing of God through marriage, my God. But when God pours out his spirit, we can become vulnerable because we have a tendency to be derelict in our duties when that happens. So if you think that you can skip morning prayer, then you're sadly mistaken. And, and if you think that you can stop praying, what you're living in right now is a culmination of the seeds that you've sown, the favor of God, the mercy of God, but also what you're living in is, is also a result of the prayers that you've prayed. So if you stop doing what brought you to the place that you're at now, even though you might be going through difficulty, how many of you know that it, it's probably not going to be good? You have a duty. We don't use that word. I think it's Abigail Adams said, duty is ours, results belong to God. Duty is not something that duty, it's responsibility. You do it because you have to, because you're required. 
as a servant, as a slave of Christ to do some of these things, and some of them are not fun. Oh, but the results. Don't think, just because God's used you, and I pray he has, and if he isn't, then you, you, know, you, need, to get, you, you need to do the duty part, but then you need to believe God to pour out his power too. You need the other side also. But don't start thinking that we're something because God used a donkey to prophesy. So you might think that you've really got a powerful prophetic word in your mouth. And you, well, I pray you do. I hope you do. It's God's will for that to happen. Amen. But realize he can use a donkey. So before you start thinking that you're something, that is either a donkey or a Canadian goose. All depends on the time of year. If you're doing something for God and God's using you, you're not more special than anybody else. Come on, say that. I'm not more special than anybody else. No, God's just had mercy and grace, and maybe he's given you revelation to walk in a dimension of power. But it's so important not to use that as a badge for diplomatic immunity. You know, diplomats, diplomat license plate, they speed everywhere, like, not all the time, but they can. They can just break the speed limit, and they just flip out their diplomatic immunity, and they can just go on. And they get in no trouble. Some of you, some of you treat your walk in the kingdom like that. You, you can't just do whatever you want to. So the, the, the parable points to the fact, I'm back in your notes, points to the fact that true faith should make us want to serve Christ more than... in more instead of desiring self-exaltation and pride. True faith ought to move you to obeying him no matter what, instead of elevating yourself and your pride and demanding honor. True faith is formed from humility. Lord's working on me with that. How many of you God's working on you? <sighs> True faith sees obedience to Christ as of the utmost importance. Worship team, please. And I've said it earlier in the message, if people serve and then they don't get acknowledged and then they desire to quit, you have to ask what you're really ser- who are you serving? Because it might be you. And I certainly don't want to dissuade or discourage anybody for serving, even honestly, if it's for the wrong motivation at first. Because as you serve, things happen. You start hearing messages like this, and the Holy Spirit starts working on you, and then he, then he, then he convicts you, and you realize, oh my gosh, I'm doing it all for me. I'm, I'm doing it all so I can get something. And then you, you get convicted, then you repent, but then you keep serving. So serve either way. I said serve either way. Our thought should be, we ask for no reward but to serve Christ. When I played sports, to be on the bench, to ride the bench, it's, I don't know, it, it's probably the way my father raised me. I, I'm just like, I am riding the bench. So, <laughs> does anybody know what I'm talking about? When I was a kid, peewee football, and football in middle school, and then in high school, the, the, the bench riders, were, that was not what I was going to be. I was, that was not like, oh, yes, I just want to get splinters from the pine board. No, what I wanted to do is I want to be in the game. I want to be in the game. And then 
so I would practice hard and do everything I could and, and God gave me a little bit of grace and I wasn't the best on the field, but I, but I tried hard. I was one of those hundred, I wasn't the fastest, certainly wasn't the smartest. I would come up with a remarkable play a couple times a year, maybe, maybe, but I was 110%, I would give it 110%. And I played, and most sports played all the time. And I remember, I remember just not, possibly not starting, big game, big football game. And I remember like, oh, come on, coach, come on, coach. And then I remember I was picked to be on the starting line. And I remember being picked going, oh, what have I done? The guy that, the guy that I'm against is a, his knuckles drag. He shaves, we're in high school, he's got a beard. He's a freak of nature. And I'm gonna to have to stand in front of this mutant, farm boy, sausage fingers, huge, I'm gonna get hurt. No, I'm not. Uh. And I remember getting out there, getting in the line. I'm gonna split my pants if I do that, but I'm not gonna do that. And thinking to myself, coming out of the huddle, coming out of the huddle on offense, maybe like come up to the line looking at the guy and he's smiling like, your relative's gonna hurt. I'm gonna hit you so hard. And, they, and you think to yourself, what have I done? What am I doing? Whatever God calls you to, have the attitude that, man, I, I get to play. I get to be on the team. I get to obey. I, I get to. Oh, we have to, go to, we have to go to church. You ought to change your have to to get to. Some of you need to change it. Some of them, there's, there's a duty. There's a responsibility. And the reward you know, could it be that we're judged not, not by the things that just happen easily in the sovereignty of God, but by the things that God calls us to do that are difficult? Well, you're going to be judged. It's the judgment seat of Christ. Just because you have the blood over you is not diplomatic immunity. Your sin's forgiven. You go to heaven, but you'll then stand before him for what you do with your life. How you live in this day, in this age, will determine your rewards and the results of the ages to come. You're going to live forever. Where you live is determined upon your decisions here, whether you make a decision to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, have faith. Get to gate C2 by 11.15 when they board the Alaska Airlines flight to Seattle. If you're not at the gate, the way is, the way is narrow. Broad is the way to destruction. If you're not at the gate, you must believe that he exists and he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Hebrews. Come on, lift your hands to heaven. Oh God, look, where, where are you today? Where are you today? Where are you? Where are you? Where, 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 how's the power? Okay, let's talk about that for a second. How's the power of God in your life? Is there any? There's got to be a dimension of unexplainable in your life. In other words, you cannot explain how that happened. You can't explain how the accident was avoided and how the finances flowed. You, you can't explain how, how you ended up in the right place at the right time to meet that amazing wife or husband of yours. Unexplainable. Christianity is many times unexplained. It's a mystery. And as you obey, there's a release of God's power on the two sides of faith, the power side. How are you doing? Some of you aren't doing too good. The other side is the side of faithfulness, duty. 
duty, obeying God, obeying God, obeying your leaders, doing the right thing, even though you might not feel goosebumps. One of the greatest services I ever had, and I'm closing, I was in an airport waiting for a guest speaker to come in. And this is, this is before TSA, so, you know, we're a little older. And we're all gathered there adjacent to the gate that the plane was gonna come in and the plane was delayed. And there's, I don't know, a full plane load of people flying out. So there's a few hundred people, 300. I mean, I don't know how many souls, but quite a bit. And as I'm sitting there looking, I'm start having discernment. I start seeing marriages that are on the rocks. I start seeing kids are doing things they shouldn't do. And I start seeing people bound by homosexuality. I start, I start seeing all kinds of things and realizing, oh, they're in trouble. Oh my God, who's gonna help these people? These are the thoughts I'm having. And then the Lord speaks to me and quotes Ezekiel. When the watchman is on the wall, if he sees the army coming and doesn't blow the trumpet, then the blood of those, that city will be on his hands. I'm thinking, what are you saying? What are you saying? And then my th the thought is, maybe the plane's gonna crash and then I'm responsible for God, for 300 people if I don't share the good news. And I'm gonna tell you the last thing, the last thing I wanna do is embarrass myself. The last thing I wanna do is make a scene. I've changed a little bit since then, I was younger. Now I don't care as much. And the Lord just keeps, keeps impressing it on me. It was duty. Nobody was gonna thank me. I wasn't getting any money for it. It was gonna be an embarrassment, a possible flop, all the doubts, all the different things. I'm like, ugh, will you do it, son? Will you do it? And I, I just got, I told everybody what was going on. Pastor Karen was there. People started praying in tongues. I got up and walked away. I'm, throwing, I'm thinking, oh no. Okay, all I need is the fire. Amen? Lord, set me on fire. I didn't feel a drip of anointing, nothing, zero. I love it when I do feel the presence and power of God, makes it much easier. I didn't feel anything. I was too consumed maybe with self or being embarrassed. I said, oh God, can you encourage me? Please, I need God. Long story shorter. One of my tough cats, brothers and friends in the young adult ministry back then, I'm standing in this room, a sea of people, you know, 300 people. I'm like, Lord, help me. Can you encourage me? Just something, just, Lord, you help me. Just help me. Give me some boldness, God. God, help me right now. And I look over and I see one of my friends, Damien, I believe, Grafmeyer, walks in praying in tongues at the far corner. He's making a scene. Everybody's like, look at the freak. Oh my gosh. But when I saw that, I'm like, that's it. And I just jumped off the cliff and began to talk to everybody. And I said, hey, everybody, how was your vacation? And everybody's like, I said, hey, everybody. How and everybody's like, good. And then they just engaged and I preached the gospel. And I got an, gave them an opportunity to give their hearts to Jesus. When, when I did that, 25% of the people didn't hear me. 25% of the people wanted me to shut up. And about 50% heard. And I gave an opportunity for, let me just tell you, the power of God came on me like, I thought I was in a church. It was one of my favorite services. But I felt nothing before that. 
if you will just do the right thing, obey God, follow through, listen to his word, obey his word, you'll see manifestations of power. But the truth is, as my beautiful wife said, even if you don't, who are you? Obey, you're supposed to come on someone in this place, say hallelujah. Obey, two sides, two sides of the coin. Power, duty. It's your duty to go to church. You don't have to, you don't want to, so what? There's times I don't want to either, I come. Well, that's because you're, no, no, that's the way I was before I was a pastor, way before, way before. Sunday you go to church, amen? I go to church Wednesday and Sunday night. I tithe, I'm gonna tithe. Yeah, I have to tithe, I've made a commitment to tithe, I'm a tither, I'm not stopping that. I'm gonna pray, I pray, I give myself to prayer, I'm going to obey. The key to victory in life is followed through on God's word as a duty because it's no longer your life. Belongs to him. Come on, somebody say, I'm a slave to Christ. Are you, or did you just lie? You're a slave to Christ until the chips are down and it's not comfortable and you're gonna be embarrassed or look like an idiot? We're all idiots compared to others. Don't worry about it. Come on, I have the mind of Christ. With every head bowed, every eye closed, how are you? Where are you at in the, the two sides of your faith? Where are you? First of all, you might not be right with God. I'm gonna end in giving an opportunity to give your life to Christ. If you've never done that, you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, won't you do it? Won't you do it today? Give your life to Jesus. Repent of your sin. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. He died on a cross and rose again from the grave for you, for me. You say, that's me, Pastor. I want to give my life to Jesus. Or maybe you want to recommit to him because you drifted in your commitment. You drifted in your duties. You drifted in your walk with the Lord and you've gotten over into compromise. Or you want to give your life back to God. First time or giving your life back to God all across this place. That's you on the count of three. One, two, three. Do it now. Lift your hand high. You want to be included in this prayer. Praise the Lord. Pray with me. Won't you stand up on your feet and pray right out loud? Say, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die in my place, to rise again from the grave for me. Forgive me of all of my sin and come into my heart come into my life. Wash me, cleanse me, make me new. Thank you for loving me, God. And thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen. Let me pray for you. I pray Holy Spirit fill and touch each and every one. Baptize these afresh in the name of Jesus. And one more thing and we'll close. You might be derelict in your duty, in your responsibilities with the Lord. We serve him not because we get something out of it. Oh, but we, we, we do get so much out of living for him, more than, more than you could possibly imagine. That list gets wider and broader and deeper every, every day, every week, every year. And sometimes I realize it, other times I don't. Staying strong in your marriage doesn't make you feel you don't have to feel like you're in, in love all the time with goosebumps. You just can't wait. Oh, oh, just can't wait. It's not always like that. You know, there's times where you're just going to have to obey. Yeah, there, there's a duty to it. 
Those bring you through the times that are potentially dry. And then you cultivate that love and you, you stir it, you pray, you act loving. That's not, I fell out of love. No, you're an idiot. That's what actually happened. There's no such thing as falling out of love. Now there are reasons for divorce. This is for somebody. I'm on a rabbit trail right here. There are reasons for divorce, but I, I love, I've committed my life to, my, to the Lord and to my wife. And I will love you as Christ loved the church. And I fall far short, but God's helping me. And it's not a matter of feelings. Oh, I, I like the feelings too. Can you imagine if there was no warm fuzzies? Yeah, I gotta love her, I guess. Yeah. We're gonna obey God. Power, the other side of the coin, duty, responsibility. Duty is ours, results belong to God. Obey his word and realize by his mercy, he's using you, he's using me, he's using us. Let's be a, let's be a faithful, loyal people. Amen. I believe God's raising up a church that's not looking for a handout, not looking for a pat on the back, raising up a church that are bond servants, even slaves to Christ. That's what's going to take to break the, get the breakthrough. Father, thank you. Well, let me bless you. Father, thank you for what you've done. Bless your people. Cause your face to shine upon us. Lift up your countenance towards us. Be gracious to us. Keep us and give us peace in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, I hope you were encouraged by God's word. Thank you again for listening to Kings Alaska podcast. God bless you. For more great content, go to kcalaska.com and may God's face shine upon you and give you peace.